Hello, hello, beautiful beings, and welcome back to Piercing the Paradigm Podcast. This is your host, Or Jade, and today's episode is the Good Grief episode. So I do want to provide a trigger warning. We will be discussing topics such as grief, death, and loss. If you are in fact triggered by any of those topics, I do ask that you either refrain from listening to this episode until you feel that you are completely emotionally and mentally ready, or that you ground yourself before listening and stop at any point in time you feel overwhelmed. All right, um, so beautiful beings, before we get started, I did just want to reflect for a quick moment regarding grief and loss. So, um, this episode is going to be strictly surrounding my personal experience with grief, my personal experience with loss, and my personal feelings surrounding healing the inner child that went through those tough, tough experiences at a stage where they didn't have the emotional capacity nor the emotional knowledge to really and fully understand the depth of the issue uh, or the depth of the the trauma, but also the depth of their emotions. So that is the main focus of today's podcast. And I I do just want to say that everyone grieves in different ways. Everyone um, approaches their emotions and feelings to loss and grief in different ways. I do not want anyone to feel as though that this is the only way that this is my way and of course everyone is entitled to their own opinions and their own understandings and comprehension but I do want to preface that um, everything that I'm going to be sharing today is strictly stems from my personal experiences from my work with the in therapy as well as my shadow and inner child healing journey so with all of that being said I'm definitely ready to dive in um, I will, I will say that on hand right now, I've got tissues, I've got, um, a bottle of water and, um, you know, I was supposed to publish this episode nearly two weeks ago. However, um, life happens and I'm also in the middle of a grieving process. I am, um, uh, grieving connections and relationships that have now ended And, um, to be quite honest, I just could not bring myself to record this episode while grieving. (laughs) I I just couldn't do it. And for those of you who, um, who might not understand when I laugh throughout this episode, that is my own coping mechanism. Um, you know, a lot of times people say, you have to laugh to keep yourself from crying. There might be tears this episode, I will not lie. Uh, and also, this is all coming straight from the heart. I usually have a written down kind of a list of topics that I want to discuss or points that I want to make. But t- tonight, or today's episode, I should say, is really just going to come straight from the heart and straight from my personal experiences and with that being said, there might be a few rants, um, <laughs> but it will all come back into full circle mode um, at the end of the day, right? Um, like I said, I was supposed to make this episode two weeks ago, 
And to be quite honest, I had to honor myself in knowing that there was still some work that I needed to get done before I could fully be vulnerable about this topic, right? So the first thing I wanted to talk about is grieving the childhood that you never had and the media influences that really either stifle or centralize your influence on family values. So I really wanted to give a few in like a few ex- examples so to speak and this is this episode I'm, I'm just gonna let you know is gonna be fully unedited because I really want it to be raw and vulnerable and um <laughs> and also I just I want to give myself free license here all right <laughs> so a lot of us especially if you are a part of the black community or even if you aren't a part of the black community if you grew up watching TV in the early 90s, late 80s, if you're an 80s baby, there were so many family sitcoms that were on at that time. So whether it was Leave it to Beaver or The Cosby Show, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Family Matters, um, what's happening? I know that's going back down to like the 70s. Um, You know, there were so many influences in the media of what a family should look like, of what a family should act like, how a family should interact with each other. And I will, I will say that regardless of what's going on with Bill Cosby, you know, at this time, this isn't, this isn't the podcast that we, we will discuss that. But um, the Cosby show was one of my greatest influences for my expectation of family values. And to be quite honest, it got to the point where it was, I became resentful that that wasn't the type of family that I had. And I say that to say, if you've watched the Cosby show, you'll understand that, you know, it was a two family household. It was a two parent household, excuse me. It was a very involved parent household. The parents, you know, you see them interacting with their kids. You see them dialoguing with their kids and really being an active part in their life you also seen that family problems and dilemmas were not resolved with screaming yelling you know physical harm in any way it was very intellectual and very mature um handling of misbehavior right on on behalf of claire and cliff the mother and father of the huxtables But the reason that I bring this up is that when we grieve the childhood we never had, especially when some of us, like myself, have centralized our idea of family values based on media, it really tends to weigh you down in the sense that like, you feel as though, yes, I deserve that family. That's the family that I should have had. Without really taking into account the fact that it's a scripted show, it's the idea of someone else. It's not necessarily a true reflection, right? It's a depicted reflection, but that doesn't mean that it's not possible. Now, 
when I, when I learned that I needed to grieve the childhood that I never had vis-a-vis the, um, influence based on the influence of media, especially family matters, which was also a two parent household. It really allowed me to see an area of my life where I needed to heal, right? It became that sense of, I deserve a two family household, a two parent household as well, you know? And what emotions do I feel surrounding that lack of not having that family dynamic? What, what understandings, what beliefs do I have surrounding that family dynamic because of the resentment that I held for not having that, for that lack? The resentment of the media for showing me and taunting me with something that I, I didn't have. Craving so badly that I really missed out on what it is that I had and understanding that family values and a family dynamic can be a myriad of things and it can be exactly what you make of it. I was not short on love. Um, growing up, that wasn't, that's not what I'm saying at this point. But what I'm saying is, you know, I so desperately based my manifestation of the family I wanted to create for myself in the future based on this media influence of family values and family dynamics. So I had to go back in and reparent myself into understanding that family, family dynamics are so vast that they are not just this one mom and dad you know especially now that we have grown into this age where it is more acceptable to have alternative family dynamics where there might be two moms where there might be two dads where there might be a single mom there might be a single dad there might be a mom that works and a dad that stays home there are just so many different variables in family dynamics now that had I maybe seen that portrayed in the media growing up, I would have been able to decipher what it is exactly about that particular dynamic that made me feel like I lacked, right? Now, a lot of you might not resonate with what I'm saying. A lot of you might have very well been content with your family dynamic. A lot of you might very well have learned to adapt to the family dynamic that you were born into. You know, some of you have, may have also felt as though your family dynamic was the standard. But I will certainly say that as a child growing up, all of my friends, every single last one of them, maybe except for one. No, okay, two. There were two. Two of my friends. I was a very sociable child. Um, but for, the chil- for the, my friends that I spent the night at, they had their slumber parties, the friends that I spent the most time with, came from two parent households, their mom and their dad. 
And if I'm being honest, the friends that I really didn't get the chance to sleep over or to do a lot of things with came from single family house, single parent households like myself because their mom, of course, you know, they had to work. They had to do what they had to do to provide for their family. So they didn't have that much freedom, you know, because some of them spent time with their grandmothers um, in their grandmother's care when their mom had to work. So, you know, they couldn't come out and play. They couldn't do all the things, right? Not to say that two-parent household dynamics um, doesn't allow for that either. Because, of course, not all two-parent household dynamics have the same outcome as you see in the media influences, right? But I say all of that to say... Being around my friends who had two parents in the home, it created a sense of jealousy and it also created a sense of shame because it felt as though they, when we were creating Father's Day cards in school or having father-daughter dances, that I couldn't participate right? I couldn't be a part of those things. I could not share in those experiences with my friends. And the next day when they would come to school or the next, you know, the next time we met up with each other and they would say how how happy their dad was with their presence or how much fun they had with their dad in this experience, I would be and feel ashamed that I could not participate. So that that just like literally right now I had to I had to take a breath because I literally have not until I started my my healing journey I literally had not understood that about myself. That sense of jealousy that my inner child had been holding on to for all of these years. That jealousy of, you know, here I have these friends who rebel against their parents and talk back. And here I am trying to be the perfect child. And they have two parents. All something that I, I always wanted. And they don't, they don't even respect it they don't even honor it you know and a lot of the time that jealousy would certainly rear its its ugly head in my friendships and I never really understood what it was I was jealous of until I got older um because like I like I've said in previous podcasts I definitely I didn't lack anything as a child my mom gave me pretty much everything it was that emotional connection that really wanting that father figure um, you know, and I, I just want to clarify because I did have my, my stepfather up until the age of 10, I want to say, and him and I were very, very close, very, very close. Um, however, not having my dad, my biological father was also something that I grieved because As much as my stepdad did for me, and he was a wonderful stepdad, he 
connected with me. He took me everywhere. He bought me everything. So I I can't sit here and say that it was all my life. I didn't have a two-parent household. But I could say that losing the two dominant male figures in my life at very early ages only made that jealousy and resentment grow. So when I learned that about myself, I realized that I had to go through the grieving process of not having that childhood that I seen on TV, not experiencing the types of parents in their parenting styles that was on TV. Like for instance, Claire Huxtable. Um, I always admired Claire Huxtable. I admired her because she was that do-it-all mom, right? She worked. She cooked, she cleaned. She went to all the kids' events and in whatever they were doing. And she helped with their homework. And she was present and da 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 Not really fully understanding that she was able to do those things because she did have a partner with whom she could split her time and her energy. So it became a level of resentment toward my my parent because it's like, well, Claire Huxtable can do it. You know, why, why can't you do this? And when you're younger, you really don't understand all of the things that go into parenting. So you, you can easily blame your parent or you can easily disregard the other aspects it took for that physical manifestation of the the parent that she wanted um to to come forth right Whew. so in order for me to grieve and let go of that belief that a true family required a mom and a dad i had to d- dig deep inside myself And instead of talking to my inner child, what helped me most was to act as if it was my own child. And see as a parent what it would have been like to lose my partner, my significant other, And still have to go on and be strong for the kids, right? And also breaking down and understanding how to work your child through grief. So instead of going in and journaling and asking my inner child these questions about how they felt, I really had to go in and act as my parents to walk myself through the grieving process, excuse me, not only as a child, but also as an adult, right? And I don't know how much sense that makes, but everyone will find what works for them during their healing journey. And it might not always be the same, right? So in grief, there are generally five stages denial anger 
bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. Now, I really want to move on to my experiences with loss because I was also going to talk about uh, grieving the parents that we never had, but that also falls under the the guise of the expectations we set for our family unit and our family dynamic. So I didn't, you know, I might touch on that later, but I really want to get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Okay. So at the age of four, I lost my father and it was very sudden. It was very sudden. Now, my dad was a great dad he was patient he was loving he loved to travel and taking me places with him I was his baby girl you know we spent every weekend together exploring adventuring and I will never forget he would take me to breakfast every Sunday at the same diner and he would get me a cup of tea <laughs> with a slice of lemon. And that was our routine. That was something I learned to look forward to. Even as a four-year-old, you know, it was, it was planned. I knew that it was going to happen, you know. And when I lost him... It was very sudden, you know. Part of me can recall seeing him in the hospital, visiting him in the hospital. But as a child, I did not fully comprehend the meaning of death. I didn't understand the finality of death. I didn't understand heaven I didn't understand the concept of God. I didn't understand any of the concepts that the adults in my life were using to try to get me to understand that my father was never coming back. What I can remember about his death was his funeral. And the reason that I can so clearly remember his funeral is because at that point in time, it was the largest gathering that I could ever remember being at. Now, of course, there were family reunions before then, but, you know, I was a baby. I was very young, um, maybe one or two. But that was the largest family gathering, the first largest family gathering that I ever can recall. And I remember everyone crying. And as an empath, my understanding, you know, now is different. But I could just feel the overwhelming sadness in the room, in the church. And I remember being so confused. Everyone was there but my father. 
And I was, I was just confused. At some point, one of my aunts or my stepmother, I, I, I don't really remember who, had brought me up to the podium and asked me if I wanted to say anything about my daddy. All I can recall saying is that I love you, daddy. That's all I could recall saying. But what I remember is that someone had picked me up to give him a kiss while he was in the casket. At that point, I really thought that my dad was just sleeping. So I didn't express any sadness or I, I wasn't crying up until that point because I really did not comprehend the death of what was happening. I wasn't able to really express emotion because I was just fucking confused as any child would be. But when they picked me up to give him a kiss in the casket, I remember his nose poking me in the eye. <laughs> and I can laugh about it now, but <laughs> when his nose poked me in the eye because of the way the person was holding me, um, I naturally started to tear up because my eye, like I, I just got poked in the eye. And you, you know, so at that point, after that point, everyone thought I was crying. And I guess, I mean, I don't want to assume, but I, I really guess that the adults in my life took that as a sign is that I understood what was happening and I, and I was grieving. When in reality, I literally had just gotten poked in the eye by my deceased father's nose. <laughs> and um, the reason that I can laugh at this now is, you know, as a spiritualist, we connect with our ancestors. And, and my father, he's always with me. And um, he used to be the life of the party. Life of the party. So I know that he would not have wanted me to be sad. But I learned later on in life during my, my healing process that I was in the denial stage for years, for years, likely from ages four to seven. In denial that he was gone forever, in denial that he was never coming back, I was so angry, so angry. I honestly couldn't tell you that I had gone through the five stages of grief until I started my healing journey realizing that I did, in fact, as a child, even though I didn't comprehend it, I did go through the five stages of grief naturally. But I had to redo it as an adult because I needed to process emotions that I had not yet ever experienced as a child. So I did not fully comprehend. I did not fully understand how to regulate those emotions. But like I said, I was angry. I was angry at him 
for abandoning me, for leaving me, for not saying goodbye. I was angry at God because I felt to myself, how could God take my father from me? How could God leave me fatherless? What kind of God would do that? What kind of God would take a little girl's daddy? There were years that I turned my back on God because of that. Because I just could not forgive him from taking that love from me. From robbing me of all of the experiences my dad never got the chance to see. Learning how to ride a bike my first day of school, my elementary school graduation, my middle school graduation, my high school college graduation, my first date, teaching me how to drive, teaching me how to cook, because my daddy could cook. (laughs) I could not forgive God for taking so much from me. For taking all the things that I felt I deserved. I couldn't forgive him. And that's when the bargaining started. Instead of turning my back to God any further, I decided to beg him. I decided that if I was a good girl... If I was the perfect child, if I prayed every day and lived godly and did what I was told to do, that God would bring him back. In exchange for my goodness, God would give me my father back. In exchange for being a good human, for following the commandments for being religious for forgiving him I bargained with God so many days you know and I found myself more so bargaining with God in those moments where I felt disconnected from my mom from those moments when I was in trouble with my mom and feeling like if I had that other parent Maybe this situation wouldn't be what it is, right? Begging God to stop punishing me and to bring me back my father. Now, I didn't know it then. But there are many forms of depression. I recall... Many nights and many days when things were going wrong. I have a teddy bear that my daddy gave me before before I was born. He bought it for me. And I still have that teddy bear. I call him daddy. He's, he's my, my physical manifestation of my father. The only thing I have left of him at this time. 
And I would hold him and I would cry to him and say, Daddy, you know, this is what's happening in my life right now. Can you please help me? Or when I was upset, I'd say, Daddy, why, you know, why did you leave me? It's not fair. I'm so mad at you that you left me. I can recall so many days sitting in a dark closet with my teddy bear, crying out for my father. And then feeling depressed, sad, abandoned when he never came. It wasn't until adulthood when I truly gained acceptance, when I started my spiritual practice and connecting with my ancestors, that I I wrote him a note, a letter, forgiving him for leaving me. You know, I sat at my altar and I forgave God for taking him from me. But what I also realized was the continuation of depression and the coping mechanisms that I used to overcome that. Because at the age of 11, as I mentioned earlier, I had my stepfather, my pop-pop. I called him Papa Do. <laughs> I lost him as well to a stroke. And at that age, age 11, I was still in uh, elementary school. But I fully comprehended death at that time. I just remember holding it all in. Not wanting to cry at his funeral. Not wanting to express emotion. But falling back into that anger with God. That you, you did it again. You never brought back my dad and here you are taking another one from me. How dare you? How dare you? In my short 28 years of being on this earth, (laughs) I have experienced three significant deaths. My great-grandmother, my father, and my stepfather. The hardest death of them all. was my grandmother's. Now the reason why the reason why this was the hardest death for me was because at my grandmother's funeral I was about seven or eight
So I had experienced all three of these deaths in a very short period of time. My mother, who was very, very close to her grandmother, was hysterical, rightfully so, but she was very hysterical. She was crying, and I, all I could remember her saying was that she was staying there, that she was getting in the casket too. And of course, at that point, I did comprehend death. I did comprehend, you know, all the things I hadn't with the death of my father. So to hear my mother so hurt, so pained, and so ready to go with my grandmother to the grave. I just remember holding her on the side and begging her to please come home. I remember being so scared that my mother was going to go too. I remember feeling so helpless. And feeling like God, you can't take her too. I know what she's saying. I know that she wants to go, but God, you can't have her. I still need her. Now, my grandmother was in the hospital most of my life. My great-grandmother, I should say, was in the, in the hospital most of my life. So I never really got to know her as much. She didn't talk very much at that time. But I understood the deep connection that my mother had with her grandmother. And I feared for the worst, right? So, I'm sharing this. as a testament of how important it is to grieve. To go back in as an adult and handhold your inner child in the role of a parent. To help them process the emotions that they felt at that time, emotions that they possibly or that you possibly never felt before and didn't understand so you wrote them off when we're seven and eight and 11 years old we don't understand depression we understand anger but not in the capacity of really understanding the root of that anger we know how anger manifests when we're at that age but we don't know how to break down the exact moment in which anger begins to bubble up.
So the journal prompt for this episode was what is the first loss you remember experiencing? And as I've shared, the first loss that I have remembered um, experiencing was the death of my father. But not to be all over the place, but we're going to be all over the place. One of the most major losses as a child that was not death related that I remember experiencing was I had a best friend named Rachel. Rachel was the goofiest, kindest, most exciting and adventurous friend that I had ever had. She had the best sleepovers, her parents were awesome, and she always was down to play and try something new. And I remember Rachel telling me that, you know, her family was moving to Florida. And naive me thought, at the time I was about six or seven, oh, okay, we'll still get to hang out though, right? (laughs) We'll still get to write each other and talk on the phone. And I remember the day that she left, how sad I was that I was losing my best friend. And there it was again, the feeling of abandonment, the feeling of betrayal. None of those things in which I knew how to express at that time. For me, it was just, I was sad. So going back in as an adult and being able to identify the emotions that you were unable to identify as a child is truly liberating for your inner child. It allows you to name and put an identity on emotions that have had a hold on you for all these years because at that point in time, you could not identify what they were and how they were affecting you, how they were then showing up in your behaviors via your coping mechanisms. Some of you, your first loss was maybe your goldfish. And instead of having time to process or grieve, maybe your parents went out and bought you a new goldfish and you didn't totally forgot about your old goldfish. And to some of you, you might say that is the most insignificant thing I have ever heard. But if you have watched the Cosby show, you've seen how upset Rudy was when her goldfish died. Up until the point that she was over it. But the fact that her family had gone through the trouble of creating this whole funeral and ceremony for this dead fish shows the importance of working with your child through their emotions and the importance of then if you had if you did not receive that during your grieving process as a child 
it, it really shows the importance of going back in as an adult, identifying those feelings and emotions, putting a name and identification to them, and then working with your inner child through the five stages of grief or revisiting if you, in fact, already went through the five stages of grief. Now, I know this episode might not, you know, give the the answers in which any of you seek. But what I have learned from my experience is that loss, whether that be death, a friend moving, or you relocating, your dog ran away, or even... The, the loss of self and identity, which is another episode, the loss of self and identity, you need to grieve that. You need to properly identify your emotions that are attached to that experience so that you can feel them, really, really feel them and allow them to come up for you and show themselves to acknowledge them and hold yourself through it, to cry it out, to really allow yourself to understand that your crying is not because you are missing or aching for them. It is a cleansing. It is a cleansing. Now, as a kind reminder, there are definitely a few books and resources that I provided for you last episode. And before I get into the card pull for this episode, um, I do want to reiterate that um, it was Childhood Disrupted by Donna Jackson, uh, Nakazawa, and It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine, both of which um, are centered in grief. However, the, the resource by Megan Devine is not solely regarding childhood trauma or childhood uh, death, right? Um, or childhood loss during your childhood years. Now, um, most importantly, I really want to engage with you guys. You know, go check in on our Instagram page, which is Piercing the Paradigm Podcast. And let me know, you know, what was your first loss that you remember experiencing? You know, what emotions do you relate to that experience? And how can you truly comfort your inner self through those feelings if they are unresolved? Or how can you go back in and reparent yourself through the grieving process? Now, I definitely am going to talk more to the media influence of your inner child creation, how you became, how you became the person you are, um, you know, through from the ages of development, which is zero through seven, how the media influenced your belief systems and, and as well as your understandings and comprehensions of how the world works. So I didn't want to get too in, in depth with it in this episode, but I did want to touch on it because it, it correlated to my understanding of family values and family dynamics and I had to grieve and let go of that belief that my life was not any less 
valuable. My family was not any less loving or any less complete because it did not reflect the family unit that was portrayed in the media. Okay. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and do our card pull for what our inner child wants to let us know today in this divine time on this divine day. Um, let's see what we got. All right. What does our inner child want everybody to know? What does, okay, let's see. Well-being. All right, I feel like we've gotten this card last week or last episode as well. But it definitely plays to what's going on in this episode as well, so. Having an upbeat nature doesn't just happen. If you would like to enjoy your life and maintain a positive outlook, it is important to take an enthusiastic approach. Staying positive and appreciative through life's dilemmas can prove difficult. Examine your, your approach to life. Reflect on how your lifestyle and worldview impacts your attitudes and behaviors. Once you have clarity in these areas, you can let go of what is not effective and make change toward your wellness. Make a real effort to change your unhealthy habits. Through this process, you will be able to determine what is essential to you. As you alter your behavior, you will enjoy a sounder body, mind, and spirit. This will mean balancing your relationships and work. You will be able to find healthy channels where you can spend your time more favorably and enjoyably. So, balancing your well-being. In order to free up that space, that space for change, you have to release. You have to let go. And in this particular case, regarding this particular episode, it is time to release and let go and grieve the losses that you have experienced. Grieve the beliefs that no longer serve you. Grieve the parts of yourself that needed to die in order for you to be reborn into this new, elevated soul. Now, next week's episode, I'm extremely excited about. At this point in time, I will definitely be coming back around to grief in a different capacity. But at this point in time... Um, this is the level in which I've gotten to as far as my inner child healing and grief. So that's, that's where we're pretty much going to wrap it up at. But next week, next week, we're going to be talking about identity crisis. Who the fuck am I? That is a question that almost every spiritualist starts with or says to themselves at one point or another during their spiritual journey. Who am I? And I can tell you from personal experience, I have gone through many identity crises and most of which I have never, ever spoken aloud to any other human. So I am nervous yet excited to share this, this part of myself and um, really allow myself the space. And the opportunity to release 
those identities that no longer serve me, right? So I would love to thank you all if you've made it to the end of this episode, if you were able to ground yourself and, you know, really work through and understand the examples of grief and healing that I have put forth. I want to congratulate you. Um, If any of you were at all triggered, I hope that you understand that this trigger is a sign from your inner child that something is still there that needs to be worked upon and that they need you for that. That they desire you to address that with them, right? So to love them through it, to walk them through it, to be there, to guide them through it, okay? Now, the last thing I'd I'd like to say about grief is that grief is not linear. Those five stages are not linear. They come and come and go like a roller coaster. They can, you can think you have moved on to the next stage and then the next day you feel as though you're back at stage one. It happens. Give yourself license and compassion to flow through these processes as you feel fit. You don't need to go by the standards of grief and healing. You listen to your own body and you set the tone for your healing journey. If you are not ready to address the grief, the loss in your life, whether that be death or not, it is okay to give yourself that time. It is okay to release the internalization of lack that was created by your understanding via media of the life that you thought was the perfect life or the perfect family, although there's no such thing. But it's okay. It's okay to be afraid to let go of those internalizations and those beliefs. But until you do so, that internalization of lack will continue to affect your self-worth, your self-sovereignty in different ways. All I ask is that after this podcast, you sit with yourself and your inner child and you ask them, is there anything we need to grieve? Is there anything that you are still holding on to emotionally? Is there ever an emotion you felt that you couldn't name that I can help you identify now? It's really important to check in with your inner child because they will answer you if you are in stillness. They will let you know. They will show you in different ways what they are still grieving what they are still angry about, the ways they are still bargaining with themselves, the ways they feel responsible for the losses they've experienced in their life. 
for the moments of intense sadness that they could not identify, wrote off and forced themselves to experience happiness and joy when that wasn't the conditions that had manifested through their emotions. So at this time, beautiful beings, I'd love to thank you for joining me on this episode of Piercing the Paradigm, the Good Grief episode. I am your host, Aura Jade, and I look forward to connecting with you all on social media. Check us out on Instagram, the Piercing the Podcast Paradigm, uh, Piercing the Paradigm Podcast. And I look forward to speaking with you guys in regards to episode five, the identity crisis. Who the fuck am I? All right. And so then you lovely beings have a beautiful, blessed week. I hope you stay beautifully aligned with your highest self. And I hope you have time to check in with your inner child. For those of you who did miss the prompt earlier, the prompt, of course, is what is the earliest experience of loss that you can recall and what emotions do you relate to that experience as well as how can you comfort your inner child through those feelings okay so remember this week our card is to focus on your well-being that message is directly from spirit all right later later gators